then in verses 11 and following, we're going to make a transition. Then we're going to revisit the mystery that Paul spoke about in chapter 1. And then we'll get into the, uh, the therefore of this book, chapters 4 through 6. I want to read beginning again in chapter 2 and verse 1 all the way down through verse 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that, that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You'll notice in chapter 2 and verse 10, we have God doing something, preparing something beforehand. And in chapter 1, also in verse 4, we have Him choosing us in Him beforehand, before the foundation of the world. And so you kind of have a kind of a book in here, and between those two bookends is this word, grace. Grace. We are to be to the praise of the glory of His grace, chapter 1 and verse 6. We are, as believers, verse 12, to be to the praise of His glory. Whether you are Jew or whether you are Gentile, we are to be, verse 14, to the praise of His glory. Paul brings out the way that we formerly walked according to the course of this world, but then he states in verse 5, By grace you have been saved. Now that should not surprise us at this point because God has done everything from the beginning of the world all the way to the end so that a group of people in Christ would give praise to Him for that grace. And folks, as we grow in grace, we will grow in more and more understanding of that and in more and more gratitude for that. Every believer, I think, enters into the Christian life 
Knowing, yes, is by grace, and basically we have a fuzzy idea of what that means, and we are thankful for it, and that we're not saved by our works, but it is way more of that grace that is working in and through our lives to carry us to that destination. That is the mystery of His will. That is the summing up of all things in who? In Christ. And folks, that is why in this book, and you can take the time to do this this afternoon if you'd like, just go back to chapter 1 and look at the phrases, in Him, in Christ, in the Lord. Everything is happening in Him. And even in our text for this morning, verse 10, for we are His workmanship created where? In Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand. Everything is centered and focused and everything was brought about. All of God's exceeding power. Look back in chapter 1 and verse 20. The strength of that power, the energizing of that power, the surpassing greatness of that power, all of that was exhibited, chapter 1 verse 20, in Christ and what He has done in Him He has forgiven our sins, but it's way more than that. He brought all this about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand. That's power. And folks, all of this, every believer has been saved by that grace. It is not of yourselves. It's not inherent within you. You were not born with this into this life. We as fallen humanity are completely and entirely unlike Christ. Unlike Him. And if we're not like Him, we are sinning. It is not inherent within us, and it is not of works. The wholeness of this salvation, the details of this salvation, the working out of this salvation is not gained either through our works or by our working for it. It has to be the gift of God. And that's exactly what it says in verse 8. For by grace, chapter 2, you have been saved through faith. That's the channel. And that not of yourselves, it is the what of God. It is the gift of God. Now folks, I want us to turn back to Romans chapter 4. We didn't actually look at that passage, but I want us to look at it. Because I made mention last Lord's Day that we really need to understand what it means when it says it is the gift of God. We have been taught for many, many decades, maybe close to a hundred years now, that when he says gift, it's something like a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. Well, how do you get that gift? Well, there's the gift. You go up and you you take the gift. But that is not what Paul means by that phrase. What he means, as we see in Romans chapter 4 and verse 1, when he talks about Abraham, he says, now what has Abraham found? 
Now look at verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. When we're talking about all of that grace being the gift of God, basically we could say this, by gift, God means it wasn't due to you. There was nothing in us that, as it were, moved God to say, look, I need to do something. It is not in us. It is not of us. It is not through our works. It's not by laboring for it. It's all given to us, even though it should not come to us. Amen? It's not due to us. It is the gift of God. Now folks, God had to do this, even as He says in Romans chapter 4, but He says it also again in Ephesians 2 and verse 9. He says it has to be this way lest any man should boast. Lest any man should boast. And brethren, basically what Paul is saying here in these verses is that from beginning to the end, God's mercies come to us by His grace, not by anything in us, not by our working or by our works, to the praise of the glory of His grace. That's what he's talking about here. And I do think that as believers mature in the Lord, they begin to appreciate that more and more and more. The more you see of God's grace, the more you will see of your own unworthiness. In fact, you can see so much of your own unworthiness, your sin nature will say, well, maybe you're not saved. And the answer to that is, I'm not worthy. I never will be of myself be worthy. But He, He did this and gifted me this by His grace. Something not due to me of anything that I have done in and of myself. Now folks, those surpassing riches of that grace, the surpassing riches of God the Father's grace as He has showered it upon us in kindness in Christ has already begun. This new creation, this of which we have been given a foretaste of, that which we have been given a down payment of by the giving of the Holy Spirit, that new creation of which the world is completely ignorant of, has already begun in Christ Jesus. Now certainly in that new creation, the new heavens and new earth are not here yet, right? In what sense has that new creation already begun in this sense? There are people 
who have been saved by that grace. And as we read in our scripture reading, Paul calls it the new creation. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, all the old things are passed away. Behold, look at this. Look at this amazing thing. All things are new. And look at this. All those things are of God. Meaning not of who? Not of us. Folks, this new creation has already begun in Christ. Faith is the channel for all this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now folks, if it's already begun, and the channel of it is faith, everybody with me, how did all this happen? I know it's there. I know the channel is faith. I know it's the gift of God. It's not owed to me. All right, but how did all this originate? Where was its initiation? And that's what this verse in verse 10 tells us. For we are his workmanship. Now, what's the next word? Created. Everybody see that word? Created. There is the how. How did this salvation come to pass? By a creation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I want you to note something here, brethren. Look at verse 10 again very, very, very closely. We are His workmanship. You said the verb is? What tense is that verb? It is past tense, isn't it? There was a creation that occurred sometime previous to the writing of this but Paul's not just saying that they were saved by grace and the Ephesians were saved by grace. He's making a generalized truth that every believer throughout whatever generation is saved by what? Saved by grace. And that it happened in a creation that occurred in the past. When did that creation happen? Well, the Bible tells us here in verse 10. It was a creation in who? In Christ. And folks, Paul's already noted, and we've already been through, and we've read, but let's read it again in chapter 1 and verse 20, when he talks about God's amazing power he talks about the working of the strength of his might, and he's talking about God bringing to pass the mystery of his will, the summing up of everything in his Son, and he says in Ephesians 1 verse 20, 
that he brought this about in Christ. When? When he raised him from the dead. <coughs> when? When he seated him at his right hand in the heavenlies. Folks, this new creation that you and I as believing people enjoy, that new creation occurred at a historical moment. When was that historical moment? When Christ died on the cross, when He was buried, and God raised Him from the... and seated Him at His own right hand. In other words, folks, the, what we are enjoying here as believing people, that power created believers, as it were, in the Gospel the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And folks, I don't know if you've ever read this statement and kind of pondered it a little bit, but I have thought about it when our Lord was confronted with the disobedience and the stubbornness of the Pharisees. And the disciples asked Him about that. And this is what our Lord said. Listen to it carefully. He said this, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up and cast into the fire. Have you ever thought about that? The heavenly Father planting. We as believing people are His workmanship and we are created in Christ Jesus. That creation is exactly what Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians 5. That new creation which was created in Christ at that historical moment when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand. That new creation that was created in Him is God's workmanship. It says we, we are His what? We are His workmanship. And it all began with a creation. Now folks, the word workmanship is a word that means that which has been made. In other words, if you were a potter and you got a lump of clay and you put it on the potter's wheel and you begin to form it and make it, and let's just say you made it into a vase and you completed that and you fired it, you would say, that is my, that's my workmanship. That is something that I have made. Believers in Christ, created in Christ, are... God's own workmanship. And folks, that is why this new creation has already begun. It began in Christ Jesus. 
It is brought to pass in individual believing lives throughout human history, but it all originated where? In Christ. When God's power worked within Him. Now folks, you, you and I need to meditate on that because this is why Paul would say about Christ and that gospel of Christ that it is the power of God unto salvation. There's no other power. There's no other means. There's no other way. It all originated in Christ, through Christ, for Christ, to Him be the glory. Amen. This is the summing up of all things in Him. This is the mystery of His will being brought to pass. The adoption, the predestination, the assurance, the giving of the Spirit, the glorification, the sanctification, all of this occurred in Christ Jesus. You say, I don't understand all that. I don't either, but I tell you what, it does something to my spirit to rejoice that God did that in His Son. I know Jesus Christ died for my sins. I know that He forgave me for my sins. I know He ransomed me from, from my sins. But that wasn't all that happened at the cross at His death, burial, and resurrection. The wholeness, the fullness of my salvation was brought about in Him. And folks, I can't imagine, as it were, the pressure upon the man, Jesus Christ, who knew that everything dealing with God's mystery of His will and everything dealing with you and I as believing people was all wrapped up in Him obeying the Father and going to Calvary. I can't imagine having that kind of pressure and weight upon me. No wonder he sweat great drops of blood in that garden, right? Folks, all of this originated in Christ. It did not originate in us. It did not originate in me on October the 5th, 1980 when I came to know the Lord. It originated some 2,000 years before then at that same <clears throat> historical moment. And I don't know about you, but there's something sweet and precious about the consideration that I am His workmanship. There's something sweet about thinking, here I was, a clay vessel, marred, diseased, ugly, fallen, defiled, and the potter, the potter, as it were, took that marred clay named Frank Jones and created and put a treasure inside an earthen vessel. And is molding me and making me after the image of His dear Son so that one day I will stand before Him in holiness and blamelessness in love before Him. This is His work. 
that God Himself <clears throat> is doing. The regeneration that you have, which is a recreation, the progressive sanctification that is going on, the ultimate glorification, your body being glorified, it's all guaranteed in Christ Jesus. That's great assurance. Now folks, that creation and that workmanship is for a purpose. It says in verse 10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Now it's fascinating as we mentioned before that when you look at verses 8 and 9, when it comes to the point of our justification... By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of what? But now, having received the regeneration, having received the work of Christ by believing through the channel of faith, now God expects us to produce what? Good works. Good works. Works that are good. Works that are good because God is good. In other words, folks, it is the works that God is doing in and through our lives. What has happened is this. Folks, When we, this new creation, lives, it does live. Mothers, if you gave birth to a baby, and when that baby came out, it had no works, it didn't breathe. That's a work, isn't it? No movement. Completely blue and gray. Lifeless. What would you say about that baby? It's dead. But folks, being not saved by good works because we were dead in trespasses and sins, the only good, the only works we could have were dead works. But now we're alive. We are alive in Christ Jesus and we are to walk in those good works. In other words, folks, good works begin upon life, not to gain life. And the interesting thing about these works is that these works, look at verse 10 again, these works God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when God came with the mystery of His will and the summing up of all things in Christ, 
Him creating us in Christ Jesus, His aim in that creation is that we would walk in the good works that God prepared when? Beforehand. That we would walk therein. Now folks, that statement that I just made is very relevant for our day today. The good works that God has prepared beforehand or ahead of time, they're not invented by us. In other words, we don't dream up what we think the good works would be, right? Who prepared them? God prepared them. We don't invent the good works. We don't get a committee together and decide what those good works are. We don't get to decide what the good works are that we're to preach to our people. These were prepared ahead of time. Not only are they not invented, but the good works that God prepared ahead of time don't change from generation to generation. Did you hear that? The same good works that Adam was to walk in, the same good works that Noah was to walk in, the same good works that Isaiah was to walk in, the same good works that all the prophets were to walk in, the same good works that believing Israel was to walk in, the same good works that Christ fully walked in, the same good works that Peter, James, John, and the other apostles were to walk in, the same works that Paul was to walk in, the same works that the early church was to walk in, the same works are the same today. They have not changed. They were prepared beforehand. And folks, our culture today is screaming to people that these good works are outdated. What good works? Well, let me just give you one. To be a pastor, you must be a man. Did God say that? Is being a pastor a good work? God has not changed on that. He's never changed on that. You say, well, but there's examples of this and that. Yeah, and there's examples of sin and things not being in kelter with God's good works too. What about this? What about serving one another? We've taken in our modern culture and made Christianity servant to us so that we can gain the things we want to gain. What about being a servant? Is that outdated? No, that's the work that God prepared beforehand, before the foundation of the world, that we should walk therein. 
How about a family? How about a family? Is it outdated? We can just divorce, remarry, do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, have, have as many wives as we want to. Because we're the modern culture, we know what we're doing, we got all of our ducks in a row. No, the good work. Have you not read that from the beginning God made them male and female? And what God has joined together, no man is to divide. Do we hear that? Is that outdated? Now many of us have gone through those types of tragedies. Thank God Christ died for us. But that's part of the good works. How about a man being the head of his household? Does the Bible teach that? Is that outdated? How about wives submit to your husbands? Is that outdated? Did Paul just make a mistake? Paul was living today, you know, he, he wouldn't have wrote that because, you know, women are much more capable, educated, knowledgeable today. If Paul was alive today, he would have penned the exact same thing because these are the words of Christ. How about fleeing fornication? Is that outdated? Is it okay for the modern generation to shack up, try out marriage, see if it's going to work, see if I can get along with someone? It's amazing to me the number of people today, young people, that are living together. Those are works of dead people. These works God prepared ahead of time that we would walk therein are not outdated, they're not out old-fashioned, they're not for the ancient of ancients, they're not for those in distant human past because we've now moved all humanity to a higher and higher sphere of understanding and knowledge. And folks, here's the thing, and I want to exhort it upon you. The church should not change on what those good works are. Regardless of what the culture does. Regardless of what the culture says. Regardless of the violence and threats that they come and make against you. The good works prepared beforehand are the same good works today and they're the same good works for the next generation and the generation after that. And folks, if I could just say this, we're going to walk in those good works in the new heaven and the new earth. Now I realize some of them will drop off the side, but those good works, the fundamentals of those good works, we will walk therein forever and ever and ever.
And what this tells us is that good works are the fruit of this creation in Christ Jesus. And folks, this will help us understand our dear brother James who wrote that faith without works is dead. Life functions in a certain way. Do we grow in it? Of course. Don't your babies grow in it? We grow in it. We mature in it. We learn it. But there ought to be fundamental evidences of a new creation when a person says, I'm born again. And James would write at the conclusion of this section, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Folks, it is not wrong for you and I to expect some measure of life in a person that professes Christ. If there is no life, you observe and you observe and you observe and there is no life. They don't have the life of God in their souls. And folks, these good works that God prepared ahead of time so that we would walk in those prepared works come from a God who is unchangeable. And this is exactly what Paul was referring to when he talks about walk worthy of the calling by which you have been called. Everybody hear that? Walk worthy of that calling. Now folks, in this book, and I'm just going to look in this book, it does refer to our walk. In Ephesians 2 and verse 2 is the first time the word walk is mentioned here in this book. And it is referring to our former walk. We're not to walk as we formerly walked. And according to the prince of the power of the air, the course of this world, the spirit now walking, working in the sons of disobedience, walking, living in the lust of our flesh, the desires of the flesh and the mind, being by nature just like everyone else. That's our former life. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's going to say in Ephesians 4, verse 17, don't walk like the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. But we're to walk this way, speaking the truth. Wouldn't that be refreshing in our culture? Truth. Speaking the truth. Having a righteous anger, but it is only lasting for a day. Working instead of stealing. Speaking with edifying speech. Would you call those things good works? These are the works that he's looking for. When we talk about works, folks, I think sometimes we think, well, that's like being a missionary. 
Or that's like being a pastor. Or that's like being a super evangelist. The works He's calling us to are of the heart and of the inner man and they change who we are. Those works that I just mentioned, you have to be doing all this before you can do those. So he says in Ephesians 4 verse 1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you have been called. Alright, look at this. Look at verse 2. What do you think about this good work? Humility. Is that a good work? Does everybody see what we're talking about? This is the good work that God has prepared beforehand that you and I would walk humbly before our God and before one another. With all humility and gentleness. The world is violent, aren't they? They're oppressive in their speech. They're always pushing and shoving. How about a spirit that is gentle? Just saying the word is so refreshing. That's a good work. Verse 2, with patience. Not snapping our fangs at one another. Not trying to get our way. Bearing long under the Ecclesiastes world in which we live. Showing tolerance for one another in love. Isn't walking in love a good work? Rejoicing not in iniquity. Rejoicing in the truth. Bearing all things. Believing all things. Walking in kindness one to another. Those are good works, aren't they? Or in Ephesians 5 and verse 2, when he says that we're to be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Walk in love. Giving yourself up for one another. Giving yourself up for your wife, for your husband, for your children, for your church, for Christ. Sacrificial love, verse 2, is the fragrant aroma to God. What's not walking in love? Verse 3, immorality, (coughs) impurity, greed. Those things are not even to be named among you. What's not walking in love? Verse 4, filthy talk, silly talk, coarse talk. Talk that is absence of thanksgiving. Does everybody see what the good works are? These are the good works that we're going to go into detail in chapters 4 through 6. These are the good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk therein because we are new creation in Christ. In Ephesians 5 verse 8, we are to walk as children of light. 
What does that mean? Verse 9, we're to walk in goodness. We're to do good to others. We're to walk in righteousness. We're to walk in truth. We are to try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, verse 10. That's a good work. To be seeking to learn these things. Ephesians 5 and verse 15, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Folks, we live in evil days. You're to be careful how you walk. You're to walk in wisdom. What would that look like in a congregation? Well, it would look like this, verse 19. Giving thanks and singing and making melody in your heart and submitting one to another. Singing is a good work. For some of us, only God can hear that good work. For others, you can be a blessing to other people and hear that good work. But it is a good work that God is doing in our hearts. And folks, we can just keep going and keep going and keep going on this, on this worthy walk. But did you notice something about everything that Paul said? It's flowing out of the heart. And it's something that we always, until we see Him, will grow therein. Nobody's perfectly humble. If you think you are, then you have betrayed yourself. And folks, here's the fascinating thing. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says this, that you're to walk a worthy walk and you are to excel in this. Did you hear that? This one thing I do, this is the thing that I'm excelling in and I'm reaching for for that high prize He's grabbing hold of me, and I want to grab hold of Him. Excel in these things. That's to be the passion of a local New Testament congregation. And I want to close by turning a book to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Because folks, when you think about we are His workmanship, God has His hand on every believer. And folks, that is why that if you are without chastisement, then you are not a child of God. (laughs) God knows how to mold, doesn't He? He's molding us, He's making us after the image of His only dear Son. And so in Philippians 2 and verse 12, Paul comes right out of this this servitude, this attitude that was in Christ Jesus, and he says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with what kind of attitude? Folks, when we hear that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, these works that have been prepared beforehand, 
There ought to be a certain amount of fear and trembling and contriteness in your heart before God. This is God working in us. This isn't us working in us. This isn't your parents working in you. This is God working in you. His power, His might, His glory, His purposes, the mystery of His will being fulfilled, summing up everything in Christ. This is God working in you. You better work out what He has done in your heart and in your life. There is a sense of our co-laboring with this, of what God has done in our lives. And we will be rewarded at that beam of judgment for the good works that we have walked therein and we have labored to excel therein and that are like His dear Son. There's to be a fear and trembling. Verse 13, because it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work, not for your happiness, for His good pleasure. Everybody see that? Folks, I have said this and I will say it again in the light of this context. The most fearful thing that I could think of as a believer would be for God to take away the willing to follow Him. Do you hear that? For that will to lessen in my life. I don't want it to lessen. I want it to I want it to grow. It would be a fearful thing for God's work in you to get dimmer, not brighter. And folks, here's the thing. Believing people will do things. They will do things that they know are not God's will. They will do things deliberately and disobey parents. They will disobey authorities. They will walk after their own pattern. And they look around and they think everything's okay, but what they don't see is that their heart is getting dimmer. Their heart is getting hardened. And that's the chastisement of God. Everybody with me? This is God working inside of us. This is God's grace that has come to someone to whom it wasn't due. The only response that we could have is my chains fell off, the light flooded the dungeon, I awoke, I arose, I follow Him. That's the only proper response to His goodness. And my only regret is that it is not more in my heart and in my life.
Folks, Christians are created in Christ Jesus. Christians possess eternal life. It is the life of God in the soul of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. It is the treasure of the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in earthen vessels. This is beyond words to describe joy about this. And as one commentator wrote, as I go back to Ephesians, he wrote this. He said, really the conclusion of the matter is, is that our attitudes and our behaviors are to show all the hallmarks of being a new creation in Christ. This is God's grace. This is His work. This is His will for every human being on the face of the earth. That will's being performed in me. Humility, carefulness, Seeking, willing, working, laboring, patience. I do it in a vocation of which God has placed me. You're doing the same thing in the vocation that God has placed you. The vocation is just window dressing. It's what's in you that's coming out of you in your behavior and walk that matters. It's just not Bible knowledge accumulation. It's the accumulation of the knowledge of God so that it is embraced and lived out in our lives. This is His grace. This was His grace before creation. This was His grace when He created. This is His grace in the new creation. This is His grace upon every believer. All of it to the praise of the glory of His grace. Forever and ever and ever. Folks, this is the light, the radiant light, the reflected light that the church is to reflect to God the Father by His Son forever and ever. Let's pray.